This is your official NXT TakeOver 31 thoughts and reactions. I am your host, Shino D. Phoenix. This is a special edition of No One's Ready for Wrestling. And if you're tuning in, excuse me. If you're tuning in, uh, make sure you subscribe to any platform that you listen to. That way you can stay updated to uh, where I uh, post the episodes on. When I post the episodes. And make sure you leave a nice positive review. Five star, four stars, don't matter. Just give me a good positive feedback and tell people that this is a podcast you should be listening to. It's an up and coming podcast and like literally show some love to this show. But NXT TakeOver 31, man, if you want me to be real, this was one of the absolute best takeovers I've ever seen in a pandemic era. Now, if we were to like if we were to compare the other ones like in your house in 30 um let's go by order. Let's go with 31 which is the best. I thought um in your house was pretty good and 30. I think that's the best way I could describe it. But um Overall, I thought this was a really, really great uh, paper, not pay-per-view, I mean, it was a pay-per-view, but this was just so enjoyable to watch. Now, before, now usually I do the polls in the end, but I want to get to it right now, but you guys gave it an overwhelmingly positive uh, response. 95% of you said it was a thumbs-up show, and 5% said it was a thumbs down show. So overall, that's very positive numbers right here. Really great positive numbers. And I, it was it didn't take place at Full Sail. It was at the Performance Center, but they rebranded it to the Capital Wrestling Center, which it like I got to tell you, man, it looks nice. It looked absolutely nice. The set was great. You had a mini um Thunderdome-esque experience in which from what I saw, that people were cheering for whoever they want in the uh, virtual setting, which I, I got to give them credit. That was, instead of telling people, you got to boo this person, you got to show some, che- you got to cheer for this guy. They they flat out tell you, cheer for whoever you want. Like, do whatever you want. That's the mindset that they should have on Raw and SmackDown. Instead of forcibly telling people, boo this guy, cheer this guy. Just, it, it doesn't make um the experience that great, you know? But I got to say this, man. They actually had some people in attendance, like about 100, I guess. And and I thought it was it got some life on uh this takeover show, and I got to give them credit where credit is due. This was really really great. So now before we can before we start with our first match, you guys know the drill. Make sure you guys follow me on the Twitter at GinoDPhoenix. You can find me live tweeting for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, New Japan, uh, Impact, or anything else that's been on my mind. So make sure you follow me there, GinoDPhoenix. Also, you could um, follow me on Instagram at CoolManSip for all you Instagram users. And that's the CYP, by the way. So you can follow me there. That's where... Uh, I post my personal stuff on here, and I post the episodes on Instagram as well. That way you could uh, watch it. Not, not watch, listen to it. 
And finally, for you Facebook users, make sure you like the Facebook page. No one's ready for wrestling. That's where I post the episodes. I give updates. But make sure you like that page. And share it with your friends. Just That's all I'm going to say right there. Share it with your friends. And without further ado, and as Oscar would say, let's get started. And Brock Lesnar would be, let's do this. Let's let's rock, baby. We kick things off with the NXT North American Championship match between Johnny Gargano and Damian Priest. And I thought this was a really great opening match. And Johnny Gargano is one of the best workers. And he can make anybody look like a star. But um, this was really good, in my honest opinion. So some highlights here. We had Priest. He hitting... Uh, he hits Gargano with a spinning heel kick. Priest was looking for the reckoning, but Gargano escaped. Um, not not the Gargano escape, okay? Not the submission. He escapes and chops Priest, which Damian no sold, and booted him to the through the turnbuckle, which I kind of la- which I chuckled at. It was funny. Like he chopped him, be like, dude, really? And just booted him straight to the lower turnbuckle. That was that was hilarious. Um, Gargano, he looks to powerbomb Priest, like, he went for a sunset flip powerbomb, but on the outside, but he slams Priest down to the floor. He follows it up with a suicide dive and shoves Priest into the, uh, steel steps, shoulder first. We have Gargano, he ties up Priest through the ropes, hits a missile drop kick, and hits a middle rope senton for a two count. Damian Priest then gains control as he hit an elevated flatliner, which looked so beautiful, on Gargano to change the momentum, hits three jumping uh, shoulder uppercuts, or the European uppercut, into a broken arrow for our first near fall. Gargano counters the razor's edge into a code red for a close near fall. And I, I like this part. Damien, you know how he does that uh, springboard uh, roundhouse kick? He actually faded, he faked it out, and he hits the springboard punch instead. So I thought that was pretty cool. Gargano, he avoids the cyclone kick. I mean, I, I, I call it the cyclone kick because, I mean, for, and for those of you who are gamers, if you played um, fucking Marvel vs. Capcom 2 and you pick Cyclops and you hear him say, Cyclone kick, it, it's a habit. It's a habit as a gamer. So I had to do it. But... Gargano, he avoids the cyclone kick, and he sends Priest to the post shoulder first. Priest then catches Gargano's suicide dive, and Johnny, like, it looks like Priest was going for a chokeslam, but he jumps on the apron, Johnny does, and super kicks him. Priest hits the spinning kick, knocking Gargano's legs, uh, no, on Gargano's legs, knocking him to the floor, and he hits the razor's edge on the apron, which looked brutal. For a close near fall. Johnny then chop blocks Priest's legs. And Priest comes back and hits a clothesline on Johnny Gargano. Johnny then works on the left arm of Priest. And as Priest rolls out, Johnny hits a high kick. count And counters the reckoning into a standing sliced bread. Into a running elbow. Which looked nice. That was a really fluid motion right there. The standing sliced bread was 
Literally a fluid in motion. I, I loved it. I thought this was great. Um, Priest catches Gargano and was looking to choke slam him, but Johnny hits a victory roll-up for a near fall. He counters with that. Priest counters Gargano's sunset flip, turns it into the south of heaven Uranagi, which I like. And he gets that for a close fall. Yeah, Johnny Gargano, he rolls out of the ring and pre... Now, this was a callback, in my honest opinion. I think it was a tribute to WrestleMania 25 between The Undertaker and um and Shawn Michaels when, under, when The Undertaker did the dive and he landed on the cameraman. But this time, it was Damian Priest who landed... who dove on top the ring post, did a diving senton, and hits two security guards... Now, while the ref was checking on uh, the security team, or two of the security guards, Johnny hits below the belt. He kicks him in the nuts. And he brings Priest back to the ring, super kicks him in the face. One, two, no, for a close 2.9 near fall. Johnny Gargano then applies the Gargano escape, the submission, on Priest, only for him to get his foot on the rope. Gargano was looking to knock Priest off the apron and onto the steel steps, kind of reminding you of Finn Balor and uh, Damian Priest. So a nice callback right there. Um, but Priest fights out of it. Gargano catches Priest with a super kick, and he hits another one. And he was looking for one final beat, but Damian Priest catches him and hits the Draping Reckoning to retain the NXT North American Championship. So... The Damian Priest way prevails over the Johnny Gargano way. And Damian Priest, I could tell WWE is high on Damian Priest. Because the dude is charismatic. He is a good in-ring worker. He is one of the best, in my honest opinion. I mean, I wouldn't say one of the best. I think he's just one of the best big man in pro wrestling. He could dive. He could strike. He could do everything. And I think... that. Them keeping the title on Priest makes sense. Now, as for Johnny Gargano, I don't know what's next for him. And I'm going to talk about that later when we talk about the women's title match. To see if they, if Candice did the job. If she won the NXT Women's Championship. But you know where I'm going with this. So, moving on, we got Kushida versus Velveteen Dream. I, I got to mention this about Velveteen Dream, man. His stock has dropped tremendously. And I mean tremendously. When he came out, I shit you not. Now, he cosplayed as Doc Brown from Back to the Future because Kushida's gimmick was his entrance was entirely based off the Back to the Future franchise. But when he came out, Dream did, there was absolute silence and it's at a point where I don't think he's really needed on NXT and I think it's better for them because you don't want people to just say and, and there was a fire Velveteen dream during takeover so like we'll get into that but this was a good match I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it was like bad but it was good because of Kushida and this was his first takeover match. Now, Kushida came in, immediately attacked uh, Velveteen Dream, and he was working on the arm. 
Kushida then mocks uh, Velveteen Dream and baits him into kicking him in the gut and followed it up with a handspring kick and slams his left arm to the mat. Kushida works on both uh, arms of Dream and Velveteen, out of desperation, hits Kushida with um, a desperation boot. Dream hits a diving clothesline on the outside and he slams him on the steel pexiglass face first. Dream then hits the Bronco Buster back in the ring. He hits the Bronco Buster on Kushida. Dream then catches uh, Kushida's handspring back elbow into a real naked choke, in which Kushida fought out of it. Kushida then hits a hip toss into a cartwheel drop kick, and he pulls back on Dream's shoulder and stomps on it, which, like, this is the Kushida that I've been dying to see. Now, Kushida sends Dream... Um, to the on the post, shoulder first two times, and on the second one, he got his arm trapped, and the and you had um, Kushida hit a running uh, a running drop kick, because my phone is going off. That's why I'm getting a little distracted here. Sorry about that. Um, his arm got trapped on the steel steps, and Kushida drop kicked the uh, I don't know if he drop kicked the steel step or the arm. By the steel step because that was brutality. Sorry, Rhea Ripley. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Dream then hits a super kick and is looking for the purple rainmaker, but Kushida catches him into an arm bar. Dream power bombs Kushida, hits and kicks out immediately, which Kushida does, and applies a triangle choke on Dream. Velveteen hits the Dream Valley Driver, and he goes up top, hits the Purple Rainmaker on the injured elbow, in which he was screaming in pain after hitting it, goes for the cover, only for a near fall. Velveteen Dream hits a clothesline and is looking for a Purple Rainmaker, but Kushida runs up, hits a hoverboard lock, like, and just lands on, it's like a springboard, not a springboard hoverboard lock, it was a jumping hoverboard lock. Off the top rope. Dream hits the Dream Valley Driver, but Kushida still applies it, and Velveteen Dream taps out. This was a much-needed win for Kushida, in my honest opinion. Kushida needed this win. You were building up this new aggression side to Kushida, and right now, in my honest opinion, you look at um, the IWC, they're going to declare Kushida as the babyface, the top babyface for taking out Velveteen Dream. Now... Post-match, Kushida immediately attacked Velveteen Dream and he reapplied the hoverboard lock or, or the armbar, whatever you want to do, and pretty much took out Velveteen Dream. And I know there was chance of one more time and he did it again anyway. So, Velveteen Dream, I don't know what his situation is. It looks like this is them punishing Velveteen Dream or he's getting written off of NXT. I'm going to say that he's getting written off of NXT because honestly, what's left for Velveteen Dream to do? And I know there's going to be people saying, but he didn't win the NXT championship. He doesn't need to be the NXT champion. Like there's nothing else left for him on that brand right now. And if they don't want to avoid backlash, which they're still going to have backlash if they call him up to the main roster. I just feel like there's nothing for the dream to do on NXT, and I think this is his send-off. 
Now, Kushida, like, that is the Kushida that we should have gotten when they signed him. This was the best that Kushida has ever looked. And I would be a huge candidate for him versus Finn Balor for the NXT champion. Like, that would be a great match. It would remind me of New Japan, you know? But I'm going to talk about the NXT championship match later on. But I I love this Kushida. Keep this Kushida dominant. And maybe he might be next in line. I'm just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. Just saying. So we had a commercial. And this got me excited, man. That hyping... They were hyping the October 28th edition, which is 29th, three days before Halloween, okay? And you know where I'm going with this. This this week's NXT... Not this week's. This edition of NXT will be Halloween Havoc, hosted by Shotzi Blackheart, which makes sense because Shotzi Blackheart loves horror films. She loves Halloween, and you know what? I'm absolutely okay with it. I just hope they... They have like um, like a design for Halloween Havoc. And I hope they just let the wrestlers have fun. Because Halloween's coming up. Let them have fun while still wrestling at the same time. I think that would be really great, in my honest opinion. And I don't know. We'll see where that goes from here. Isaiah Swerve Scott versus Santos Escobar for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. This was awesome. Absolutely awesome. I enjoy Santos Escobar, and I definitely enjoy Isaiah Swerve Scott. They are, like, Swerve is one of the best in-ring gifted athletes that I have ever seen. Like, everything he does is so fluid in motion. And Santos Escobar, I mean, the guy just oozes with charisma. And he is really great in the ring as well. So, some highlights here. This is the first time that the Cruiserweight title has been defended on a main takeover card, which rightfully they deserved because literally, I mean, they've been overlooked. And it's pretty much Kill Shot, which is Isaiah Swerve Scott, versus King Cuerno, who is Santos Escobar. And if for those of you who don't watch Lucha Underground, you don't know what I'm talking about. So th- that's all I'm going to say right there. But... Continuing on with the highlights, you had Scott, he flipped out of the Rana by Escobar. Um, Isaiah was looking for a deadlift German suplex, but Escobar reverses it into a roll-up for a two-count. Scott Monkey flips Escobar out of the ring, hits a standing moonsault off the apron, hits a corkscrew, it looked like a corkscrew moonsault or a corkscrew senton uh, on the outside, which looked nice. And he goes back to the ring while Santos was outside. Hits a beautiful, twisting Tope Suicida off the top rope on Escobar. Sends him back to the ring for a two count. Now, Scott, he was slamming Escobar's arm on a lower turnbuckle. Trying to work on the, uh, so he won't hit the Phantom Driver. Um, we had, we had Scott looking for an armbar, but Escobar... Got his foot on the rope. And Santos Escobar, I don't care what anybody says. Santos Escobar has the sickest suicide dive I have ever seen. His suicide dive was, it's like a torpedo coming at you. I mean, it it looked brutal. And 
He only got that for a two count. You had Escobar hitting the double knees and hits the top rope Frankensteiner into a rolling elbow drop for a two count. We had Scott unleashing multiple strikes after Santos Escobar was talking shit to him and hits a spinning lariat. Scott then hits a jumping European uppercut to the back of Escobar off the top. Um, Scott then hits a beautiful rolling thunder flatliner for a near fall. Scott kicks Escobar in the leg, hits a jumping DDT, spiking him for a close near fall. Then out comes Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza. And I got to tell you guys something real quick. When I was taking notes on this, when I was typing Joaquin, guess what popped up? Joaquin Phoenix. So I just want to throw that little uh, gem out there. But they came out, interfered in the match, and Escobar hits a shoulder breaker on Scott for a near fall. It looked like he did an Emerald Flosion. That's what I thought he did. And now this is where we get to the best fucking spot of the night. My goodness, man. My goodness. You had Isaiah Swerve Scott. He crotches Santos Escobar on the ropes, and he hits a picture-perfect jumping Frankensteiner off the uh, off the ropes and Santos landed on Joaquim and Raul Mendoza. That was fantastic. All of a sudden you see um, Ashanti Theodonis. He came out to even the odds to attack both Joaquim and Raul Mendoza. So it looks like they're going to be building him up uh, at a later date. So I'm looking forward to that because he did a post. He was interviewed and I think he oozes with charisma, man. He oozes with charisma, and I want to see more of him. And I think they might be building him up for something big. Now, Santos Escobar hits the Phantom Driver. I thought that was it. And Swerve kicks out. Nobody. And on commentary, and before I got I got to mention this, the commentary was really good. But you had two extras trying to be Beth Phoenix and Wade Barrett, and they weren't. Wade Barrett and they weren't Wade Barrett and Beth Phoenix. You have Vic Joseph there, so I don't know. It looked pretty silly, if you want me to be honest with you. So, but like I said, nobody kicked out of the uh, Phantom Driver, and this is when Escobar went went uh, for the Three Amigos, and he was looking for a frog splash, which looked terrible. I'm sorry, Santos Escobar, that was not a good frog splash. But he missed and he tripped. Scott then grabs the arm and he snaps it back, which every time I see it and you hear that snap, I'm like, ugh. I can literally feel it in my arm. He hits the house call, goes up the top rope, hits a 450 splash, a picture-perfect 450 splash. I thought that this was it right here. I thought Swerve was going to win the title right there. And I would have been extremely happy with that because... Isaiah Swerve Scott is gifted, man. Maybe he may be bigger than the Cruiserweight title. Maybe they might have other plans. I'm just saying. But he was close to winning for a close near fall because Santos kicks out. Now, they're on the apron, and it looked like Scott was going for the JML driver, but Escobar pushes him back into the... uh, Pushes his back... No, no, no. He pushes Scott back and his the back of his head hit the lower steel turnbuckle rod, which was exposed. And 
Santos hits the double underhook face buster to retain. So, all, all in all, this was a really great match. Like I said, fast pace. These guys really busted their ass. Now, maybe Ashanti the Adonis is going to be next in line challenging Santos Escobar. You know what? I would not be complaining about that. Now, where does Isaiah Swerve Scott go from here is the better question. I think Isaiah Swerve Scott should be in consideration for a North American title. I mean, you're going to need tag teams, so Ashanti the Adonis and Isaiah Swerve Scott going for the NXT Tag Team Championships? Sign me up, man. Sign me up. I think that would be great. I don't know what their plan is, but man, I think it's going to be really, really good. Now we get to the NXT Women's Championship match, which... I've been going back and forth on. We had Candice LeRae versus Io Shirai for the uh, women's title. And I love how they do the introduction. Instead of holding the ring, like the ring, no, holding the uh, microphone, like the mic comes down. It was old school right here. I had that old school vibe. So I thought this was really cool. And man, I, I got to say, I I'm loving it. I'm really loving this new arena for... Well, even though it's the performance center, but I just love the new design. But here's some highlights here before I give my thoughts on the match. You had Io, she was looking for a crucifix, but she immediately turned it into a hip toss. Candace Monkey flips Io, but Shirai lands on her feet. I, I gotta say this. I love Io Shirai because she is just so athletic, and there are many people who will say that they want to face Io Shirai. Um, but I will, I will reserve that for a later date because... I do have one person in mind that I think Hunter should give a call. I'm just saying. Now, LeRae, she rolls out of the ring to avoid the double knees. And she was just frustrated, like, asking herself, how how am I going to put this woman down? So, LeRae, she manages to play possum and gets Io Shirai off guard. She hits a springboard crossbody on the outside. And she sends Io back to the ring, but Io hits a spinning kick and hits a beautiful acai moonsault on the outside. She sends LeRae to the ring for a cover only for a one count. Now, Io then hits the high turnbuckle double knees for a two count. LeRae gains control with a backstabber on Shirai for a near fall. LeRae was looking for the head scissors takedown, but Shirai does a front handspring, like flips out of it, and only to get immediately clocked by LeRae's lariat for a two count. Yeah, Candace hitting a backbreaker for a two count, and she started trash talking EO, only for her to get slapped, and Candace just slams EO on the turnbuckles and just tosses her around. LeRae then hits a suplex for a two count and covers again for a two count again. And LeRae gets frustrated. EO avoids the senton. Hits a victory in a fluid motion. I, I, I say this every time. Hits a victory roll up into a du double stomp. Which looked very great man. And both women are down. EO activated her comeback mode. Hits a flapjack. Files it up into a 619. Now I don't know if you guys caught on to this. LeRae it looked like she was out of place. And you could clearly tell EO to... I don't know if EO was telling her to get in position for the missile dropkick and what she connected. It looked like Candice just, she just looked out of place or she was selling it so well. She connected with the missile dropkick, the springboard missile dropkick, for a near fall. 
Candice LeRae counters the victory roll-up double stomp by slamming Io and immediately hitting a senton. She went for the springboard moonsault, but Io counters with a kick and hits a double underhook backbreaker. Now Candice, she power bombs Io, but Io rolls out, hits the double knees. She hits Shotes into a German suplex, and Candice hits a snap German into a backstabber and hits a springboard moonsault for a close near fall. Candice gets... Now Io applies the uh, crossface on Candice, and she covers for a two count in which Candice immediately goes for the Gargano escape, in which Io was almost passing out, but she made it to the ropes, and the ref was telling her to get to break the hold, one, two, three, four, and Candice accidentally hits the, hits the ref. Now, Io hits the air raid crash, and it was looking for the moonsault, her patented moonsault, but Candice got her feet up, and Io just flies straight to the uh, official, and... The ref was down. Candice hits the wicked stepsister, and she covers one, two, three, four, five, six. There was no ref. Johnny came out with the, the uh, referee shirt. Goes for the fast count. One, two. Eo kicks out, and the look on Johnny Gargano's face was just priceless. Like, how are we supposed to put this woman down? So he's like, "No, I'm grabbing that NXT Women's Title. This is hers." And while he, he had the title behind his back, while he was arguing with the ref, he he drops the title, and Candice has the opportunity while Johnny distracts the ref. Candice hits EO with the NXT Women's title, and I thought that was it. I'm like, this is it. And then one, two, EO kicks out of a near fall, and Johnny was throwing a temper tantrum. So... She's about to go up top. I don't know what she was trying to go for, but EO catches her with a shote and hits a beautiful top rope Spanish fly and hits the moonsault to retain her title. And this was the right right outcome. EO and Candace have really good chemistry in the ring. Now, I got to mention this. The match itself, I thought it was very good. Kind of overbooked a little bit, but it was still good. It wasn't better than the match that they had at Toronto. I thought the match they had at Toronto was better than this one. But this was really good. Now, this is where we get to the really interesting part. While EO was celebrating, you see Tony Storm. We haven't heard from Tony Storm in a while. She appeared on the uh, the Thunder Thunderdome Titan Tron, and she's just letting her know that she congratulated EO and announces that she's back on NXT in which EO nods. And then that's not the only surprise. That's not the only surprise that we got. That mysterious person that showed up with the motorcycle came in, like stand on the ring on the ring entrance, removed the helmet, and it was none other than former NXT women's champion Ember Moon. And my goodness, man, I was very, very happy because I think this is the right place for her. And if Finn Balor can get a refresh, Ember Moon can do the same thing. And I look at that women's division on NXT. It is the most stacked that I have ever seen. Now, thankfully, somebody had this chart 
that I got on my phone that I'm looking at right now. But let, let's let's have fun and go over the women's division on NXT, Raw, and SmackDown since the draft is going to be coming up pretty soon. Now, on NXT, you got Io Shirai leading the charge as the NXT Women's Champion. You got Aaliyah. You got Candice LeRae. And I got to mention this because I, I was reading Justin Barrasso's takeaways for TakeOver, and it he indicates that Candice LeRae is no longer in the NXT Women's title picture. So that is an indication that she might be getting called up or she's just going to be there to be the gatekeeper for the women's division. And the same could be said for Johnny. What is there left for Johnny to do on NXT? What is there left for Candice to do if she couldn't win the NXT women's title? Are they getting called up? More than likely, I think they might be getting called up. And I, I, I don't know, man. Whatever brand they go to, it could probably work out. I mean, I would prefer them to be on SmackDown because I think it, the Gargano way could work on that brand. I don't know. But I don't trust Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard to book Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae. Yeah, Chelsea Green, who I think is getting called up. I mean, you got Chelsea Green doing absolutely nothing on NXT, so that tells me she's getting, she's literally getting uh, moved to the main roster. You got Dakota Kai, Ember Moon, who just made a return. You got Indy Hartwell, who I want to see more of. You got Jessamyn Duke, um, Jesse Kamea, Casey Catanzaro, Caden Carter. You also got Karen Q, who is out with an injury. Mm, like, literally, I, I want to see Karen Q. I think she has potential, but... We haven't seen her on NXT television for a while. So maybe she might be the next person that's going to be someone to focus on. You got Marina Shafir. Got Raquel Gonzalez. You got Rhea Ripley, who I think has overstayed her welcome on NXT. I think there's really nothing else for uh, Rhea Ripley to do on NXT. So I think either Raw or SmackDown could benefit from a Rhea Ripley. Santana Garrett, who I think is criminally underutilized. I want to see Santana Garrett get an opportunity. You got Scarlett, who is not here right now because Karrion Cross is um, out of action with an injury. Shotzi Blackheart, who is literally one of my favorites in that women's division, along with Io Shirai. You got Tegan Knox, who is sadly out of action, and I don't know if her career might be over. Or if she's coming back, she's going to have to change up her style to avoid another ACL tear. Because if she gets four ACL tears, that's it. If she comes back. But, I don't know, man. Her status is questionable. You got Tony Storm making her return, which I'm happy for. You got Vanessa Bourne, who I think is getting called up. And you got Zia Lee, who's going through a new character change, which I'm thinking she's going to go heal. So... There's there is a reason why they have Tony Storm and Ember Moon back. Somebody is getting called up. Whether it's Rhea Ripley, Chelsea Green, Candice LeRae. Like you look at that women's division, it is stacked. And I know there's other women I'm forgetting, but that's because we haven't seen much of them. And I think Brandy Lauren has signed with uh WWE, if I'm correct. So it looks like we might be seeing her at a later date. Which is why I've been lobbying for a tournament, you know? Like, you know how they did a breakout tournament for the men? They should do the same for the women. 
that have not been featured on TV, that have not been given an opportunity, just do a mini Mae Young Classic, and the winner of that match challenges for the NXT Women's Championship. Just like you did with uh, ACH and uh, Cameron Grimes. So, just, just saying, I think it could work. Now, let's look at Raw's women's division. You got Asuka, who... Look, I love Asuka, man. She is one of my favorites out of everybody in that Raw women's division. She is my absolute favorite. Becky Lynch is out on uh, paternity leave. She's pregnant. Bianca Belair, they're doing these vignettes for her. I mean, I want... I'll, I'll explain that later. I'll explain what I got to say about Bianca on episode 86. Billy Kay, I haven't been seeing her. This is like the second week or the third week I haven't seen Billy Kay or Peyton Royce. So it looks like Vince clearly forgot about them or they're probably under quarantine. Charlotte Flair, who is taking time off. Dana Brooke, who was moved to SmackDown from SmackDown to Raw, which they couldn't have just waited until the draft. Just saying. You got Liv Morgan. You got Lana. Mandy Rose. Mercedes Martinez and Mia Yim. Who are part of uh, Retribution. You got Mickey James. Who I I haven't been seeing her in a while. I don't know where she's at. You got Natalia. Nia Jax. Ruby Riot, And like I said Peyton Royce. Shayna Baszler. And Zelina Vega. So counting Asuka. I'm looking at the people that they're currently using. Oscar, Bianca Belair, Dana Brooke, Lib Morgan, Lana, Mandy Rose, Natalia, Nia Jax, Ruby Riot, Zelina Vega, and Shayna Baszler. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven women. Pretty solid, but lack of direction for the Raw Women's Champion. I'm just saying. I mean, you could have had it with Shayna and and Asuka, but you got her doing this tag team thing with Nia Jax. So, what to do? You're going to need new faces. Or you got to shake up the brand. Not shake up, like, shake up the women's roster for Raw. But I look at SmackDown, man. SmackDown's women's division is absolutely dreadful to look at. Now, Bayley is currently your SmackDown women's champion. And by the way, she's held that title for 500 days. You got Alexa Bliss, who, who is doing the best work of her career right now. Carmella, who had a new gimmick change, which I asked why. Um, you got Lacey Evans, who WWE's apparently given up on. Nikki Cross, she I don't know where she's at. Maybe she's under quarantine. Naomi, she's out of action, undergo surgery. Sasha Banks is the current one that they're putting in Tamina, which we haven't seen. So that's five women. That's not a women's division. It's not. Like you, like I said, you're going to need new faces. You're going to need some new faces on that blue brand. Either some of the women on Raw get moved to SmackDown and some women get plucked from NXT to move to SmackDown and Monday Night Raw. But there has something has to improve, man. But like I mentioned with Candice, I, I just don't know what's next for her. She's out of the title picture and if they brought back Ember Moon and Tony Storm, what does that tell you? Like I said, somebody is getting called up. So I don't know who, but we'll find out. Then we get to the main event. We get Finn Balor defending his NXT championship against Kyle O'Reilly. This was excellent, man. This was absolutely excellent. This was a legit wrestling match. 
It felt like, you know what it reminded me of? It reminds me of ROH blended in with New Japan's IWGP Best of the Super Juniors tournament. Or like something like that. It, it was great, man. These guys really look... Kyle O'Reilly is a main event star right now. And Finn Balor made him look like a million bucks. Really, really great match. Like, if I were to recommend a match, this is one for you. But both of these men did not come unscathed because they were injured. But some highlights, both men were working, were, uh, were mat wrestling in the beginning at the, at the match as the beginning started pretty slow. Kyle worked on the left shoulder of Balor, hits multiple knees on the ribs of Balor. Kyle looks for the roll-up, but Finn escapes and hits a missile dropkick literally directly in the face. That was a stiff missile dropkick in the face of Kyle O'Reilly for a two-count. Now, Finn, he's been, he chops Kyle in the corner, and Kyle changes the momentum with a pop-up kick, hits his combination to take down Balor. Kyle hits two underhook suplex, no, two underhook butterfly suplex, and hits a DDT for a two count. Kyle was looking for the regal plex, but Finn escapes. He kicks Kyle in the ribs, and Balor proceeds to stomp on Kyle O'Reilly. Now, the kick in the ribs was the key factor in the match because you could see um, Kyle just going back and just holding his rib. So that was a key point that Finn wanted to focus on. Now, Finn, he Irish rips Kyle chest first in the turnbuckle. Finn hits an elbow drop, like like a spinning elbow drop rotation for a two count. Kyle hits a regal plex, which I know William Regal is back there smiling his ass off for a close near fall. He folded Finn Balor in half. Now, Balor hits the spinning elbow drop. On the, misdir- on the midsection of O'Reilly for a near fall, Finn hits the sling blade, looks for the missile, the Shogun dropkick, but Kyle counters with a dropkick of his own to the knees, well, to the knee of Balor, the injured knee. Finn then applied the abdominal stretch in which you can see Kyle O'Reilly is bleeding from the mouth, and Kyle applies a knee bar. After countering the inverted 1916, but Finn escapes and applies the sharpshooter on Kyle, and he makes it to the bottom rope. Kyle then kicks the knee of Finn after uh, getting kicked in the midsection. Finn followed it up with a Pele kick, and Kyle hits a rebound lariat, and both men are down. Like, that rebound lariat, that was a stiff one. These guys were beating the shit out of each other. Kyle then applies the guillotine on Finn, and hits a running knee strike to the chest and a brain buster for a close near fall. Kyle is looking for an armbar, but Finn rolls through and stomps on the, not on the head, but on the ribs of Kyle. No, 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 he did stomp on his head. Now, Finn Balor hits an inverted 1916 for a close near fall. Both men are down. Kyle O'Reilly, he stops um, Finn from hitting the coup de gras. Goes on the apron, hits two dragon screw leg whips, and while Finn was draped up ringside, he hits a diving knee on the chest of Balor. Now, O'Reilly, he goes back on top, hits a diving knee drop on the injured knee of Balor, and immediately applies the heel hook 
on both legs. Now, Finn, he was playing possum. He catches Kyle with a double double foot stomp. And he goes to the he goes to hit the uh, Shogun dropkick, but Kyle O'Reilly out of nowhere hits a running knee directly in the face. And you can see Finn holding his um his face like his mouth right here. And he goes for the double stomp. Both men are down. Finn hits the coup de gras with blood pouring out of his mouth. And I don't know if it was a fractured jaw, but I don't know if it's anything serious, but he hits the coup de gras. He retained. They called an audible because both men were just literally injured. And Finn retains. He shows respect to Kyle O'Reilly. And all of a sudden, the camera pans to Rich Holland carrying a beaten Adam Cole. And I think he sends two messages. Number one, it's a message to Undisputed Era and Kyle O'Reilly. And number two, he sends a message to Finn Balor. Then you had... um. Bobby and Roderick checking on Adam Cole, see if he was uh, doing okay. And the, he, they've been asking for help. So this is interesting. I don't know if they're building up Ridge Holland to be the next person in line to challenge Finn Balor. I don't know, because if they see big things in this guy, then you know they're confident in him. But overall, this was one of the best takeovers in this pandemic era, I love the new arena. They had to get out of full sale because it just felt lifeless, in my honest opinion. And having some sort of fans in attendance and not having all of them in, I think kind of helped out the show. So I think it gets a thumbs up in my book. And I just love pro wrestling, man. I fucking love this shit. And after the show, I literally tweeted this out because this is just me speaking as a fan uh, like I said, I love pro wrestling. Pass it on. You can watch NXT or WWE. You can watch AEW. You can watch New Japan. You can watch Ring of Honor. You can watch Impact. You can watch Stardom. You can watch any wrestling promotion. I live and die for this sport. That's the passion I have. Wrestling is so much fun. And... And I, I just had to let it be known. This was great, man. I'm looking forward to what happens on the fallout for TakeOver 31. And it looks like we're in a new era for uh, NXT. And I can't wait to see what they do. But that was my review. I give it a thumbs up. I want to know what you guys think. Did you enjoy NXT TakeOver? Like, like what is your favorite moments? You could, sh- you could tweet at me your favorite moments. But... And I'm recording this on Wednesday before Dynamite. Like, on Wednesday before Dynamite and um, NXT comes on. So, literally, really great stuff. I'm getting out of here and I'm going to make me some hot dogs because I am hungry. <laughs> make sure you guys follow me on Twitter at ShinoDPhoenix. I will see y'all for Dynamite and and uh, NXT. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at CoolManSip. And like the Facebook page. No one's ready for wrestling. And I will see you guys next time for episode 86. So until then, take care, be safe, and support wrestling as much as you can. And I'll talk to you guys later. And make sure you wear a mask, okay? Because I want you guys to stay healthy. I'll talk to y'all later. Peace out.